This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello again and welcome to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy. I'm your host, certified sex therapist Lori Watson, author of Wanting Sex Again, and blogger at Psychology Today and WebMD. And I have with me Dr. Adam Matthews, my co-host, who's a couples therapist, psychotherapist, and president of NCAMFT. Foreplay is dedicated to helping couples keep it hot. Thanks for listening. Now on to today's topic. So hello, springtime. It is spring, isn't it? Isn't it it beautiful out there? The weather's been so crazy. Everything's bloomed. I know. You say springtime, but it's like 35 degrees in Raleigh today. Is it really? It's freezing. It got below freezing last night. Gosh, I know. Oh, but it's gorgeous. We have tulip magnolias and cherries and the dogwoods are just about Mm -hmm. to be everywhere. So you always do, you always you always mention all of these plants and I have no idea Adam. What, I have no idea what they are. I know what a magnolia is cuz it's yeah. this I lived in Louisiana I grew up in Louisiana so it's the state. You know what tree. a dogwood is, don't you? I couldn't I couldn't pick one a out dogwood, of the lineup. A dogwood the white flowered. Isn't isn't that a isn't that a character on a like some comic <laughs> no. strip old comic strip? How about the red buds the the pink blooming trees everywhere? I mean, I've seen pink blooming trees. Yeah, what are those, those are, called? Those are called ironically red buds. They're pink, but they're called red bugs. Yes. See, this is the yes. problem. Why don't they just name? Why don't, why don't they call them pink buds? <laughs> I know. I know. One of my goals in life is to learn the names of all the plants wherever I live. So trees, weeds, shrubs, everything. I I'm I'm well on my way in North Carolina. You know, for us for us uh, botany challenge people. Yes. I've, I once thought of an app that it would you could take a picture. Oh, I know. Of a tree. They have it. They have it. They now. have that. Yeah. Somebody they have stole it. my idea. I know. It just like Shazam for you know take you know listening That's to what music. I mean. Yeah, exactly. They have that. They, they do. They okay. I think they have that. All right. Well, I'm gonna get yeah. the, I'm gonna get that app and then I'm gonna just post about complaints about why they call things pink or right. why they call them red when when they're actually pink. Right. So I also have some exciting news. My son, who is a therapist, has completed all the sex therapy courses. Oh, that's awesome. I know. So he's on his way to becoming a sex therapist. Following too. in his mother's footsteps. I Exactly. Yeah. Exactly so. Yeah. That's so awesome. I'm really proud of him. Congratulations. Does that, does that make him your favorite? Because he, he's following. He's, he's the one that's chosen <laughs> to follow after you. It's okay. They don't listen. None of your sons listen to the yeah, show, so they God. won't know. So you can thank you can God. be you can be honest. I can be totally if that candid. makes him if that makes him your favorite. I don't have any favorites. Actually, oh, I I have favorite parts about each of them. You know, they oh. they both like my middle son. Probably I identify more with his fiery temper, mm-hmm. and my youngest son, he is just like uber mushy empathic and like Mm -hmm. still will you know lay on the couch put his head on a pillow on my lap and like you know (laughs) want to be cozy this grown-up giant he's my largest child and 
the sun it's just cool you know we can talk business and yeah, yeah it's very fun yeah that's such a, that was such a mother response to make sure you I got know in your I got in everybody all the kids everybody. so they don't feel left out that's right okay so let's talk about the eight worst mistakes the eight worst sex mistakes that you can make in bed <laughs> that's, that's quite a, that's quite a transition Lori <laughs> talking about things you like about your son to the eight worst sex mistakes but that is the topic <laughs> of our podcast the they today. were not mistakes well actually our last one was a surprise But we were planning to have children, have more children. We had decided. And then, like, I went to the doctor and they're like, Uh uh, you're not going to need any help. You're already pregnant. I'm like, whoa. That's awesome. No, so they were not mistakes. Okay, but the, the but getting pregnant. Are... If, uh, we should probably say that getting pregnant when you didn't intend it, it could be you know a really difficult mistake, right? Yeah, it could be. But we're talking about mistakes that you make about sex in the bedroom that cause you and your partner a lot of conflict. That can be difficult there. So yes, why do we need to talk about this? Because these are, I mean, the the ones we have listed here. It seems like if you listed them for for anybody, they would know that they're mistakes. But a lot of people, they're doing these things, and I think they don't realize that they're nest, damaging that they're doing their it. sex life. Yeah, right. exactly. They're, they may be. Do you think in some of these things, it's, I think people are trying to actually help their sex life. They think it's going to help for them to do these things in some ways. Yes, yes. So I think some of it is like my first one is, you know, believing that you think your partner would really like something. And that you know best what they would like. So I I think the intent, the motive is often to bring your partner pleasure. But the difficulty is you're overriding their personhood, right? They Mm -hmm. know their own body. They know what they want to do and what they want to try. And if they don't want to and you keep saying, but it'll feel good, it'll be great. You just don't know. It's like, well, actually, none of us exactly know what the other person feels. Mm -hmm. uh, But this is... It becomes an issue of respect, you know, that you're not respecting the autonomy, the description of your partner of what they know about themselves or what they want. Yeah. So so you can't know what your partner really wants. This is the mother of all assumptions, right? It's a a narcissistic part. I know better than you do about what you will like. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's right when we're children and, and we fall down and hurt ourselves and somebody says, oh, you're not really hurt. Get up. You know, it's yeah. like negating feelings and and it's crazy making when your partner says to you, no, what you're feeling is not real. I know better than you do about what is real Oh, so for you. You're even talking about you're talking about something different than I was thinking then, because oh, I, okay. I was you're saying when your partner tells you what they need and you then discredit it or say, no, that's not really what you what you need. You know, I'm so. saying that when we tell our partner, I think you'll like this in bed. And our partner says, I don't think so. And we continue to insist that we have superior knowledge of what will make them feel good or what they will like or what they should like or if they would only try it, they will like it. That becomes a boundary issue, a crossing of respect when they autonomously say, Mm -hmm. no, this is what my body says. This is what I want to do. Yeah. You know, and and that insistence, basically that pursuit, pers- right? Because pressure, right? Pressure, right? Yeah. When we're crossing no man's land, we're not invited there. Uh, you know, because who asked you? You know, necessarily, right? To tell me what my body wants, I mm-hmm. will tell you what my body wants. You know, then it becomes a problem. You know, you're yeah. going to push your partner away. 
Yeah, I was thinking of one where they don't even talk about it. That the assumption is just made what you what my what the my nine worst wants. mistakes that you can make. Say it yes. again. okay, you talk about you that mistake. Well, I, that to me is that's the assumption. It's the assumption that I know, uh-huh. or that it's better if I, I we shouldn't have to talk about it. I shouldn't have to tell you what what um, uh, I need. You yeah. shouldn't have to tell me. We should just be so in sync that that we just automatically know. And so I I act as if I know rather than saying, "Does this feel good? Does this work for you? Do you like this?" Right. I just I just kind of proceed forward as if I have. Right. As if we know. As if we know rather and than talking. I about mean, it. I think there's a fantasy, right, to be totally in sync with a lover, mm. you know, and to have them get us and us to get them. And there are moments like that. But the news is that, you know, there's a lot more <laughs> moments that we yeah. need to communicate. I mean, yeah. in a lifelong experience with somebody or a commitment, you know, there's just lots of sex and their sex needs to be communicated about yeah. just like anything else. Yeah. You know, the way we change, grow, develop, all that. We need to talk about it. Yeah. And being able to do that directly, too. A lot of times we do that. We, we think we're saying one thing, but it's a really indirect communication. And we're assuming that there are partners should just read into that or ask more questions about that. And so all, all of that just it goes unsaid. Uh-huh. Right. Right. Yeah. So believe your partner when they tell you what they really like and don't assume that um, you know and that you can go without communication. Those are two mistakes. What's the third one? Third one, this is just so dumb. Don't ever criticize your partner's body. Hmm. I mean, you are in partnership with that body. What are, you, what are, what are people trying to get out of it when they do that? Because you, when you say it out loud, it sounds like a no-brainer. But what, like, why I, I, do people do that? I don't know. I mean, hmm. I think it's their disappointment. Your body is not what I want it to be. Hmm. Um, sometimes they couch it in your body is not as healthy as I want it to be, which is probably a better way to couch it. And I... I mean, I know that, you know, people's bodies change and sometimes they lose attraction. So there has to be some discussion. But saying, you know, you've put on weight, you know, I'm not as attracted to you. It's like, how dumb is that? I mean, the person is going to withdraw or Mm -hmm. I mean, I've had people say things, Adam. Oh, my gosh. You know, like, seriously, you know, her breasts are too small, like in session. I'm like, really? I mean, really? You're going to say that? What an idiot. Or I have had people, you know, he's not big enough for me. Mm. I'm like, okay. And you just said that in front of another person. I mean, way to castrate him. Like you think he's ever going to want to have sex with you again. I just don't do that. Don't don't do that. It seems like that's that kind of criticism is coming from a place of hurt possibly too. Or of not having your, not having your needs met, but it's 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 a totally backwards way of going about getting those needs met. I, I even had right. a fr- I had a friend one time, and we we made fun of him harshly for this. I think, <laughs> but he told his wife one time, like after she'd had their baby, she he said, "You know, I'm not going to find you attractive if you weigh 400 pounds." And Oof. like Oof. like we like just hurtful things. He recognized the error. He was able to recognize. So first the error of all, of he's kind later. of accusing her of weighing four hundred pounds after having children. Well, he's right? definitely accusing her of gaining weight. Yeah, right? of gaining weight, and and he's threatening her instead of talking about. I mean, I think we do. We can talk about it, but we can talk about it from the I perspective, right? Mm. Like. You know, it's really important to me for us to maintain physical fitness. That's a super important thing. But to to be overt in your criticism is to cut your own, you know, to cut them off. 
To cut it off. <laughs> to cut it. It's, it's emotional castration. It is. Is that what we're saying? It is. I mean, because right after yeah. childbirth, I mean, don't she probably knows she's gained weight, you yeah. know, and that she's struggling. And, and also, please notice those are your children that she had. You know, yeah. that, that to me is a killer. It's like, you know, my wife's breasts say after childbirth, and it's like, no kidding, because she nursed your children. She had your children, your babies, you know, yeah. and it's like to be critical of that would be ridiculous. Yeah. And I think it criticism of any kind. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know this. We've we've talked about this a lot. I mean, that criticism of anything is difficult in a relationship. But mm-hmm. then when you zero in on the body, it, it you cannot take that any way but personally. Right. And I, I mean, I honestly believe in. A committed partnership or a marriage were one flesh. So when you're criticizing your partner's body, you are criticizing your sexual body. Mm. You know, your joint sexual body. And that is dumb. Okay. Number four. Number four. Let's be back with number four. We're going to take a quick break. So I'd just like to tell you all, we do something called intensive couple retreats. And this is if you're a listener and somebody who really wants to dig deep quickly into your issues, I set aside or Adam sets aside a block of time, usually 12 to 16 hours over a weekend. And it's really something that can help you dramatically improve your intimacy. You know, especially if your emotional connection is suffering, we get through that toxic cycle of criticizing and withdrawing. You know, and also maybe there's a crisis, like you've had an affair or your partner had an affair or you're considering divorce. We are, you know, the marriage therapists who really help you get through that. Yeah. And uh, couples retreats or intensives, they really focus a lot on moving you forward in a lot of different areas. You get to talk about needs and fantasies, desire to learning new sexual techniques. It also improves your emotional relationship and really the research shows that it almost doubles your time in therapy so for every hour spent in an intensive it would be like two hours of weekly therapy i honestly um, which is, think more even yeah it probably is even is even more we also get you on the phone ahead of time to do an online initial assessment we give you a lot of different assessment tools beforehand so we go in with a lot of knowledge into those intensives and it really is a great way to kind of um, get out of those stuck cycles and spring forward in your relationship. And you can contact us at foreplayradiosextherapy.com for that. Thanks. Welcome back. We're talking about the eight or possibly nine uh, worst mistakes <laughs> you can make. We should honestly round that up to an even 10. We'll see if we can find one more for you. I'm sure we can find a few. But number four, the continued selfishness or uh, Pat, the and so this is talking about just being selfish in bed, right? Right. Uh, where you continue to ha- you have orgasms, but your partner doesn't, mm-hmm. or vice versa, um, where there's just there's just selfishness in the relationship. Yeah, and you know, if you have a pattern of having orgasms and your partner doesn't, that's not going to be good over the long run, right? I mean, orgasms. We need orgasms to have desire. Not we don't need them every single time, perhaps, but. The majority of the time, and I can't tell you the times I've talked to people, usually men, who say, well, I heard some women don't need them or some women can't have them. And I'm like, oh, okay, but, you know, three years in, 12 years in, come on, Mm -hmm. you know, and you want her to enjoy this. So, okay. I mean, and that is really about balance and fairness in the relationship. Yes. Right. I mean, that's that mean that's a that's a bit probably also a bigger pattern, probably helping it happening other places in the relationship where there's just an imbalance. And so it's basic kindergarten rules, right? You take a turn. I take a I turn. Take a turn. <laughs> you know? 
know, it's not, there's, it's not, it's not, there's nothing mutual about something like that. And your relationship is going to suffer dramatically if that's a pattern. If there's a pattern of selfishness anywhere in the relationship, it's going to suffer, but particularly in bed. In bed. And number five, don't think that your childhood traumas, adult traumas, or your sexual dysfunctions are just going to go away. You know, they often need direct work in order to resolve so that you can be as free and uninhibited and emotionally safe so that you can enjoy the current experience with your partner. Yeah. So the mistake is thinking that those things just they don't affect you or they're just going to get there. You don't have to address them in any type of way that it's just going forward. You can just kind of set them aside and they're, they'll be fine. It's right. not going to affect you anyway. Right. Or if you're having, if there's a sexual problem that's very distinct before you get married, I mean, and then just thinking, well, it'll get better when we're married. It's yeah. like, no, not necessarily. Please get help if you are engaged or heading that direction and you're having sexual problems. Don't think that, you know, a sexlessness pre-engagement is, is going to resolve. Don't yeah. do that. Yeah, I get so blown away by couples that come in and they start talking about the the problems that they're having in their relationship or the sexual issues that are going on. And then I start asking them about their family and there's like, oh, everything was fine. I'm sure that there was not, none of that that happened is affecting our relationship now. Yeah. Um, and it just it still in the blows past. me away. Yeah. yeah. Actually, our mind, I don't think time, I think time is a construct in our mm. mind. So our soul understands things contiguously. We, we, we don't mark them as having in the past or, or yesterday. It's like it's all the same in terms of our unconscious. So, you know, so it, it's not gone. It's live. Yeah. And that's an individual thing, too, as well. I mean, your partner can help you with that. But really, if there are uh, were dysfunctions before the relationship started or there were childhood or adult traumas that have happened to you, big T traumas or little T traumas, as we like to say. Right. Little T being the constant chronic kinds of thing, maybe living with a father who is always gone. And so you, you don't have this intrinsic uh, male pattern of how to, you know, your senses you know, dad was gone, mm. men are going to be gone, and there's that anxiety. I mean, that's a little T trauma. Right. And and so it's your responsibility to begin to deal with those personally so that the relationship can be better. Right. right? It's sometimes a lot of times we fault our partner for doing something that's really ours to deal with. Um, and those would be an example of one of those. So number six, um, okay. be- believing that sex doesn't take work we talk uh, about this one a lot but this I is know. so common it should be natural yeah it's such know? a it's such an ingrained stuck belief yeah it's cultural um it's ha- like it's it's in all kinds of music movies books like everything is just all we see uh, from the outside looking in is that sex just is it's snap of the fingers it's good Right. Top Gun, man. Top Gun. Where was the wet spot? That's what I want to know. Top, Top Gun. <laughs> I'm dating myself, but that was a hot sex scene, no. and there was no wet spot. Yeah. Hopefully, in the sequel, they're making a sequel to Top Gun. Oh, so. I know. And is is Tom Cruise in it? Yeah, Tom Cruise is in it. Yeah. Oh my gosh! They, I'm course, sure that they, of course I'm they sure allow there's a like that. a 30 year younger woman now. That's what I was. Just, I was just about to. Right? I was just about to bring that. Up. I was going to say Tom Cruise is of course in it, but the woman that played his love interest in the original. I don't know her name, but. 
Like she, uh, she is most assuredly not in it. Yeah, and Meg Ryan was in it. Meg Ryan was Goose's uh, oh. wife. Oh, she was so cute, and I'm sure she's not going to be in it and either. Probably not. And Goose is dead. You know, Goose was on ER too. The same That's actor. Right. He's died. He always is dying. Poor guy. Yeah, he died in okay, ER. Spoiler, spoiler alert: that, If you haven't seen yeah, Top Gun take, or Take ER. me to bed or lose me forever is what <laughs> Meg Ryan said. My favorite line. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but sex is work, right? Like it takes a lot of effort, not just to engage in sex, but we're talking about that a great sex life takes a lot of work and evolves over time and should be, should get better over time as you go, right? Like yes. there's, there's all of that, all those components in there. It takes effort. We have great hope. And thank you. We have lots of letters from our listeners saying that their sex lives are improving. I mean, we have a flood now. We have letters every day. We have multiple letters every day. Thank you. Thank you. We're not able to respond to all of them. We do put your questions into our Q&A episodes. And occasionally when it seems really important, we direct you somewhere. But yeah, sex can improve. So Number seven, worst mistake, a rough touch. You know, okay. So a lot of times we learn, okay, the clitoris is the thing that makes her go. And men sometimes think, okay, well, let's do that then. Let's, let's get to that. And they're harder, faster, you know, too rough. And oftentimes as a woman's arousal grows, I think men think, okay, great. You know, let's get it going even faster, harder. Actually, gentlemen, you should slow way down. That probably is more effective. But a rough touch can be injurious and not only technically in that moment, but especially if she's saying, you know, stop, that's not comfortable. Like if you are too excited to hear that, something's wrong. You got to be able to hear your partner say, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, that I have talked to people who have been seriously damaged by that communication not getting through. And I will tell on myself here, when I got together with my husband, now this is not a sex detail, so you know, don't get your hopes up about that. I would never share that. But my husband had a beard, and I had never touched a man's beard. And so I kept like rubbing it, you know, and, and finally he goes, uh, that kind of hurts. Yeah, <laughs> I go, yeah. no, I was so embarrassed <laughs> and humiliated. So anyway, but that's it, where it, both, it works both ways. That's where communication has to come in, though, right? Because mm -hmm. uh, the rough touch, you don't always know that you're you that you're doing that it. you're doing it. Uh -huh. So there that has, has to be, has to a be counter communication. It has to be a direct communication of saying, "Hey, that does not feel good." Yeah, and. You have to be willing to receive that if it's mm -hmm. you giving the giving the rough touch, even if it's humil humiliating. That's right. <laughs> All right. So number eight, okay. not knowing your own on switches or off switches. Right. Right. We, we have this our personal. own yeah. personal on and off switches. Yeah. Emily Nagowski, I think, talks about in her book "Come as You Are," great mm -hmm. book, and she talks about the accelerator and the brakes internally, so that we all have things that turn us on and we all have things that turn us off and sometimes I think particularly for women we have to take the brakes off mm -hmm. you know if it's a distraction we have too much work we can't focus those are braking mechanisms that actually you can counter and turn on the accelerator instead like okay yeah. I know I deserve pleasure I can take time for this. I'm worth it. Uh, those kinds of things that are accelerators, you can do that. What about men? Do you think men have, I mean, I think their on switch is usually on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's on, but there's definitely things that can turn them off, particularly a lack of desire from her. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and deflating. so it's deflating. Yeah. 
I mean, I think they've got if a guy is self-aware, right? There's some guys that are not self-aware that just power power forward and are not aware of any kind of those signals, you know. But anything that that takes away, I think typically guys off switches are things that um, make him feel like performance is not going well, mm-hmm. um, like he's less of a man again. Like type of thing you can't get it up again. That's right. That would be a real off switch. Yeah. Um, yeah, but fear, there's our fear of criticism, fear of criticism. I mean, there's, they're more those type of things, but I there's, th- I'm sure there's, but I as far conflict, as conflict, like, you know, I think yeah. a lot of men report, I, I'm in a fight with my wife and I really don't want to do it. Yeah. You know, I'm, she's too angry with me. I, I don't want to do that. Yeah. You know? I mean, I think there's, I think there's things like that, but I mean, typically it's not a touch issue. It's mm-hmm. not a how, mm-hmm. how they're being touched type of issue, but yeah. it may be for some guys. I would say women put on the brakes when the touch is wrong and touches, they're such sens- sensitive creatures. It can go wrong easily, yeah. uh, you know, so or, definitely. Or possibly circumstances, how the setup of sex and mm-hmm. where, when, how mm-hmm. um, type of issues. Yep. Um, he didn't take a shower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. The showers are good, everybody. Showers are hey, good. Clean, your, clean yourselves. All right. What's the last one? Okay. So not having discussed or having clear boundaries about the sexual fidelity of the relationship, um, mm. you know, particularly... I think when people are newlyweds and maybe they have old friends that they still want to get together with for dinner or they flirt with somebody or they look somebody up and down. I mean, all of these things impact how your partner experiences the sexual relationship. And you have to be really clear. Um, You have to talk about this beforehand. Okay. You know, what is too much? You know, can I go to lunch with my buddy? But Mm -hmm can't go to dinner and have wine unless there's somebody else present. You know, what is a better boundary to keep us safe? You know, how safe do we feel with our partner having their ex-lover on Facebook and communicating by messaging? I mean, some people, like, I totally trust you. I know that person. I know who you are. That's totally fine. You need that relationship. You need that former attachment. That's okay. But other people would find that, you know, a gross violation. So... Yeah, there's, um, again, there are assumptions that get made. People all have expectations for this, but then Mm -hmm. I see a lot where they don't talk about them, and so those expectations get violated Mm -hmm. without the other person knowing. The other person's totally willing to to do what they want or need, but their expectations are different. And then we apply labels to those things where our boundaries get broken, Mm -hmm. and it becomes becomes a real um, power struggle there when people could solve this just by having those conversations ahead of time. Exactly. Or, you know, obviously the use of porn, you know, all of that needs to be talked about together. Yeah. So so specifically you're talking about it's a mistake not to talk about sexual boundaries. Yes. Yep. And figure that out. Okay. Well, thank you for listening. These were the nine worst sex mistakes and then some. You can now call in your questions to the 4Play Question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-4PLAY. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. Hey, help us stay on top here at 4Play. We'd love it if you would subscribe and share it with your friends. And please take one sec and rate and review us. Thanks so much. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. 
With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.